Welcome to episode four of my podcast. This episode is the first in a series of episodes related to me working my way through a digital copy of the first volume of Antonisine Fathers, first printed in 1885. You can get your own digital copy of this volume for free from the website of the Christian Classics Ethereal Library. In this episode, I will talk about First Clement, and I will do so with use of the translation found in this digital copy. Now, it's not ideal to be working with a 19th century translation, and I found at least one major difference between it and a more recent scholarly translation of First Clement, but I think reading it will nevertheless give us a pretty good understanding of the original letter. And let me just say in advance that I will quote a lot from this translation in this episode. Before I move on, I'll say a few words about why I went to work my way through the first volume of Antonicene Fathers. Part of the motivation is the desire to figure out whether or not early church fathers were Trinitarians. Strong evidence of this would be pretty good evidence for modern Trinitarian readings of scripture, while strong evidence against this would seriously undermine claims that such interpretations are correct. Another part of my motivation is that I want to be more familiar with church fathers and be able to argue with reference to church fathers. Perhaps I want to internalize more of the Christian tradition, place myself within it more, and or surround myself with more of Christianity's leading thinkers. Many Protestants live in ignorance of most of the Christian movement and in ignorance of many, perhaps most, of its most famous members. Many are able to name most of the apostles, but struggle, for example, to name more than a handful of the church fathers and the medieval scholastics. Something that many Protestants, including some Protestant theologians, have not realized is that being very unfamiliar with texts of church fathers makes them quite vulnerable to accusations of having sectarian, idiosyncratic, or anachronistic biblical interpretations. Many have not realized that words of church fathers carry argumentative weight in many situations. Words of church fathers can be used as evidence to support one's interpretation of biblical passages. But words of church fathers can also be used as evidence in discussions about what mainstream Christianity is and what the majority opinion is about certain topics among Christians. Something many Protestants have perhaps also not realized is that writings of church fathers can be useful to them in other ways as well, for example when it comes to living rightly. Anyway, First Clement is an early Christian letter from the church in Rome, or part of it, to the church in Corinth, or part of it. It has been dated to the end of the first century and has been described as the oldest Christian writing outside of the New Testament. According to early Christian writers, the letter was written by Clement of Rome. The letter was written in part because news had reached Roman Christians that some presbyters in Corinth had been deposed. Here's one of the relevant passages. Owing, dear brethren, to the sudden and successive calamitous events which have happened to ourselves, we feel that we have been somewhat tardy in turning our attention to the points respecting which you consulted us and especially to that shameful and detestable sedition, utterly abhorrent to the elect of God, which a few rash and self-confident persons have kindled to such a pitch of frenzy that your venerable and illustrious name, worthy to be universally loved, has suffered grievous injury. Highlighting some things. A little later in this episode, I speak about Clement's Christology and theology proper, but first I'd like to highlight some things. First of all, Note the interesting fact that the Corinthian church, or at least part of it, wrote to Rome. Why did they look to Rome? Surely there were other churches nearer to them. Did they perhaps also request advice from other churches in Greece or churches in Asia Minor? Second, there is evidence of valuing a good name slash reputation. 
The passage just read provides evidence for that, but also the following passage. But now reflect who those are that have perverted you and lessened the renown of your far-famed brotherly love. It is disgraceful, beloved, highly disgraceful, and unworthy of your Christian profession that such a thing should be heard of as that the most steadfast and ancient church of the Corinthians should, on account of one or two persons, engage in sedition against its presbyters. And this rumor has reached not only us, but those also who are unconnected with us, so that through your infatuation the name of the Lord is blasphemed, while danger is also brought upon yourselves. Third, the author of First Clement gave quite a bit of space in the letter to targeting jealousy, envy, or something along those lines, and saw it as being related to what happened to the presbyters in Corinth. Fourth, the solution of the author of First Clement for the Corinthian problem is roughly repentance and obedience to God. Fifth, there is evidence in First Clement of a high regard of the apostles. Here, for example, the following passage. But not to dwell upon ancient examples, let us come to the most recent spiritual heroes. Let us take the noble examples furnished in our own generation. Through envy and jealousy, the greatest and most righteous pillars of the church have been persecuted and put to death. Let us set before our eyes the illustrious apostles. Peter, through unrighteous envy, endured not one or two, but numerous labors, and when he had at length suffered martyrdom, departed to the place of glory due to him. Owing to envy, Paul also obtained the reward of patient endurance, after being seven times thrown into captivity, compelled to flee, and stoned. After preaching both in the east and west, he gained the illustrious reputation due his faith, having taught righteousness to the whole world, and come to the extreme limit of the west, and suffered martyrdom under the prefects. Thus was he removed from the world, and went into the holy place, having proved himself a striking example of patience. Sixth, the author of 1st Clement made heavy use of the Old Testament. Among the many passages quoted and alluded to in the letter are Deuteronomy 32 verse 15, Genesis 4, 3 through 8, Exodus 2 verse 14, Ezekiel 33 verse 11, and Isaiah 1, 16 through 20. Moreover, a lot of Old Testament figures are mentioned in 1st Clement, among others, Adam, Noah, Abram, Moses, and Elijah. And interestingly, there is also quite a long passage on Rahab. On account of her faith and hospitality, notice the and hospitality, Rahab the harlot was saved. For when spies were sent by Joshua, the son of Nun, to Jericho, the king of the country ascertained that they were come to spy out their land, and sent men to seize them, in order that, when taken, they might be put to death. But the hospitable Rahab, receiving them, concealed them on the roof of her house, under some stacks of flax. And when the men sent by the king arrived and said, There came men unto thee, who are to spy out our land, bring them forth, for so the king commands. She answered them, The two men whom ye seek came unto me, but quickly departed again, and are gone, thus not discovering the spies to them. Then she said to the men, I know assuredly that the Lord your God hath given you this city, for the fear and dread of you have fallen on its inhabitants. When therefore ye shall have taken it, keep ye me and the house of my father in safety. And they said to her, It shall be as thou hast spoken to us. As soon therefore as thou knowest that we are at hand, thou shalt gather all thy family under thy roof, and they shall be preserved, but all that are found outside of thy dwelling shall perish. Moreover they gave her a sign to this effect, that she should hang forth from her house a scarlet thread. 
And thus they made it manifest that redemption should flow through the blood of the Lord to all them that believe and, once again no sola fide, hope in God. You see, beloved, that there was not only faith, but prophecy in this woman. Lastly, there is, one could argue, even talk in First Clement of justification by works slash actions. Let us cleave then to those to whom grace has been given by God. Let us clothe ourselves with concord and humility, ever exercising self-control, standing far off from all whispering and evil speaking, being justified by our works and not by our words. But there is also in First Clement something at least very much like the idea of justification through faith alone. And we too, being called by his will in Christ Jesus, are not justified by ourselves, nor by our own wisdom, or understanding, or godliness, or works which we have wrought in holiness of heart, but by that faith through which, from the beginning, Almighty God has justified all men, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. First Clement's Christology and Theology Proper There is in the letter of First Clement much evidence that its author held a very high Christology, but there is no statement along the lines of Jesus is God, or Jesus is the incarnate Son of God, in the letter. Let me read you some relevant passages. Let us look steadfastly to the blood of Christ, and see how precious that blood is to God, which, having been shed for our salvation, has set the grace of repentance before the whole world. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the scepter of the majesty of God, did not come in the pomp of pride or arrogance, although he might have done so, but in a lowly condition, as the Holy Spirit declared regarding him. And later, This is the way, beloved, in which we find our Savior, even Jesus Christ, the high priest of all our offerings, the defender and helper of our infirmity. By him we look up to the heights of heaven, by him we behold, as in a glass, his immaculate and most excellent visage. By him are the eyes of our hearts opened, by him our foolish and darkened understanding blossoms up anew towards his marvelous light. By him the Lord has willed that we should taste of immortal knowledge, who, being the brightness of his majesty, is by so much greater than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. In love has the Lord taken us to himself. On account of the love he bore us, Jesus Christ our Lord gave his blood for us, by the will of God, his flesh for our flesh, and his soul for our souls. Now clearly in First Clement, Jesus is associated very closely with God, or more precisely, Hotheos. But Jesus is also clearly distinguished from Hotheos. So who is this Hotheos? Arguably, the author of First Clement believed that Hotheos was the creator of Genesis 1, and the one in whose image humans are made, the one who called Abraham, the one who gave commandments to Moses and punished Egypt with plagues, the Father of Jesus Christ, and the one who raised him from the dead, and the Lord of all. Let me offer some of the evidence for this. What shall we do then, brethren? Shall we become slothful in well-doing, and cease from the practice of love? God forbid that any such course should be followed by us. But rather let us hasten with all energy and readiness of mind to perform every good work. For the Creator and Lord of all himself rejoices in his works. For by his infinitely great power he established the heavens, and by his incomprehensible wisdom he adorned them. He also divided the earth from the water which surrounds it, and fixed it upon the immovable foundation of his own will. The animals also, which are upon it, he commanded by his own word into existence. So likewise, when he had formed the sea, and the living creatures which are in it, he enclosed them within their proper bounds by his own power, above all, with his holy and undefiled hands, 
he formed man the most excellent of his creatures and truly great through the understanding given him the express likeness of his own image for thus says god let us make man in our image and after our likeness so god made man male and female he created them how blessed and wonderful beloved are the gifts of god life in immortality splendor in righteousness truth in perfect confidence faith in assurance self-control and holiness and all these fall under the cognizance of our understandings now what then shall those things be which are prepared for those as waits for him the creator and father of all worlds the most holy alone knows their amount and their beauty now did the author believe hotheos to be in some sense triune or part of a trinity well there is little if any persuasive evidence for that there is of course talk of jesus and the holy spirit in first clement but there is no talk of hotheos having three parts or of hotheos jesus and the spirit having the same divine essence and it is not even clear to me that the holy spirit is distinct from hotheos or that he is not a distinct part of hotheos in first clement nor is it clear to me that jesus and the spirit are not subject to hotheos note that the lord of all terminology is used only of hotheos and not of jesus or the spirit in first clement in any case i don't think it would be easy to make a case that would convince everyone that the author of first clement was a trinitarian at least in the sense of someone who believes either that there exists one god of which father son and spirit form three distinct parts or that there exists one divine essence which three beings called father son and spirit have but if you know someone who has made such a case please let me know well that's all for now you can find the episode text on my website Please feel free to send me feedback about this episode. I'm still very much a novice at podcasting. Thank you for listening, and I will now end with the prayer from First Clement. May God, who seeth all things, and who is the ruler of all spirits and the Lord of all flesh, who chose our Lord Jesus Christ, and us through him to be a peculiar people, grant to every soul that calleth upon his glorious and holy name faith, fear, peace, patience, long-suffering, self-control, purity, and sobriety, to the well-pleasing of his name, through our High Priest and Protector, Jesus Christ, by whom be to him glory and majesty and power and honor, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.